the way we define air pollution is a heterogeneous mixture of gases and aerosols. Uh, maybe I should define what an aerosol is. An aerosol is a solid or liquid particle suspended in a gas. So in this case, we're talking about our atmosphere. Um, so that's what we mean by air pollution. Um, and it is specifically compounds, either gaseous or found in the particles that have adverse impacts on the environment or human health. Welcome everybody to the 63rd episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna and I'm here with my co-host Jaron. Hi. The topic for today's episode is air pollution, a very interesting topic that is of course getting more and more relevant. We're going to talk with Dr. David Gonzalez, an atmospheric scientist who is now a postdoctoral schooler in an environmental cardiology and vascular biology lab. We hope to learn a lot about the science behind air pollution today, so let's start. Welcome, David. We're so happy to have you on our podcast today. Uh, thank you so much, Suzanne and Jaren. Uh, happy to be here. I just also want to say uh, uh, congrats to Jaren again for finishing his PhD. Uh, congrats, doctor. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, before we get started with our very interesting topic, we would love to know a little bit more about you. Uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who are you? Where are you from? What is your expertise? And do you have any interesting hobbies? Oh, yeah, sure thing. So uh, my name is David Gonzalez. I'm a postdoctoral scholar at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Uh, and I was born in uh, Monterrey, Mexico. Um, but I grew up in the United States. I spent my childhood in South Texas, right on the border, uh, a town called Far. That's Far with a PH and two R's. <laughs> in the Rio Grande Valley region of Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, and in my teenage years, uh, I spent uh, in a rural area outside of Houston, Southeast Texas, uh, where I graduated high school. Uh, and after that, uh, moved to Southern California where I enrolled in community college uh, and transferred to UCLA. Been here ever since, did a bachelor's degree in chemistry, uh, then transitioned and did a master's and PhD in atmospheric and oceanic sciences, where I focused on atmospheric chemistry of air pollution particles um, and took the bold move after that uh, to do a postdoc in cardiology, uh, focusing on air pollution toxicology. Um, so my expertise is in the chemistry of uh, particulate matter and air pollution toxicology. Um, in terms of interesting hobbies, so I'd say my absolute favorite thing to do uh, is music, uh, listening to music, playing music, um, I play guitar and uh, bass guitar, compose my own music. So these days, you know, after a long day in the lab, uh, you, you might find me at open mics or whatever gigs I can find in the Los Angeles area um, and just say that nothing brings me more joy than, than, than music. So it's a nice balance to academia. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Always great to be creative next to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any songs uh, that you've made yourself? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, eight original compositions, actually, that I'm in the process with a friend and trying to record and kind of make somewhat of an album or EP. You know? Cool. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Do they fall under a specific genre or do they span a, a lot of different genres? Yeah, they, it's, they span a little bit. Um, so I'd say it's the most uh, familiar sound to I think to listeners would be flamenco, mm. Mexican folk inspired and there's just a dash of rock and heavy metal influence mm. in there. So a little nice. experimental, but I have nice. fun. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, yeah, so maybe delving back into our uh, original topic of the episode. Um, <laughs> so since our topic is air pollution, can you maybe 
provide our listeners a clear description of what air pollution actually is and why it's important? Sure. Yeah. So the way we define air pollution is a heterogeneous mixture of gases and aerosols. Uh, maybe I should define what an aerosol is. An aerosol is a solid or liquid particle suspended in a gas. So in this case, we're talking about our atmosphere. Um, so that's what we mean by air pollution. Um, and it is specifically compounds, either gaseous or found in the particles that have adverse impacts on the environment or human health. Are there any examples uh, that you can list for us? Sure, yeah. Uh, so probably the most uh, common uh, type of air pollution that people encounter in urban areas, like smog, so vehicle mm -hmm. emissions. Uh, and these days, as wildfires are you know, on the uptick, uh, wildfire smoke, that's a type of air pollution that I think people are probably most familiar with. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, what are the primary sources of air pollution? And how do they impact our environment and our health? Sure. So uh, combustion sources from vehicles um, are one of the major sources of uh, air pollution, um, as well as industrial processes, depending on uh, where you're at. Um, wildfire, uh, whether they are you know, started by people or you know naturally caused, uh, are really major sources of air pollution. We call those primary sources of air pollution because mm -hmm. they emit, um, or I should say primary sources of particles, because they emit particles directly into the atmosphere. There's also something called secondary sources of particles, and that is gas compounds that are released either from vehicles, combustion, uh, you know, maybe a can of paint thinner you have in your garage uh, that can go into the atmosphere and react with sunlight, do some photochemistry, and the gas molecules will form particles uh, in the air. And so we call that a secondary source of particulate matter. Hmm. So is it also that then the, the concentration of the particulate matter in the air is really important or is, is the, for, air, for defining it as air pollution or is it just the moment that particulate is in the air, it's uh, air pollution? Yeah, so uh, regardless of the concentration, it's, once it's in the air, it's, it's a pollutant. But you touch on an important point um, from a toxicological perspective. Uh, you know, the famous line is the dose makes the poison. So the higher the concentration, uh, the more likely you are to have health impacts. Um, in terms of environmental impacts, one of the things that really intense uh, air pollution episodes can have uh, is impact visibility. Uh, and so this can cause issues for people who are driving, um, people who are driving airplanes also can face issues, uh, you know, because it's hard to see if you're driving through a wildfire plume or just really thick smog. Okay. Can you tell us maybe a little bit about the current state of air pollution, what it's like globally? Is it getting better or worse? Are there re really big regional differences, something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say in uh, the developing world, it's, it's a huge problem. Um, and places like India uh, and China, uh, parts of China experience these really bad air pollution episodes. Whereas in places like Los Angeles, which you know has a notorious history of, of air pollution and smog, it's actually gotten a lot better since uh, 1943 when the first smog episode uh, occurred. Uh, and part of that is due to intervention in Los Angeles and the United States with vehicles. So uh, the primary driver of smog in LA are vehicle emissions uh, and the introduction of the catalytic converter, as well as regulations that require certain things on the car, 
uh, to be cleaner have actually led to a decline, a dramatic decline in air pollution, uh, despite an increase in vehicles on the road and, and population. Um, so it's really kind of a, a, a dual thing. Certain places it's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Other places it's emerging as a big issue. Do you think we should be worried about it? As- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's it's a big problem, um, primarily because um, you know you have the CO two emissions which uh, contribute to climate change, uh, but additionally, when we're talking about urban air pollution or particulate matter, um, those kind of things, it has such a dramatic impact on human health uh, to the point where you know it becomes an environmental justice issue. Uh, it's mostly uh, underserved communities, children, and elderly people that are most impacted by these effects. So it's truly something that I think as humans, we, we should care about. Mm. Yes. Um, and what are some of the available treatments or interventions for people who live in areas with relatively high air pollution? Sure. So um, indoors, um, and I think this is something that maybe uh, caught a little bit of traction during uh, the the COVID-19 pandemic, um, HEPA filters, uh, like HEPA filter mm-hmm. fans indoors are something that can really effectively filter out particles, but they won't filter out the, the gas compounds. Um, and I should mention an important thing about those indoor filters is um, they should be used without um, an ionizing you know, component to it. So some of these uh, companies sell uh, these HEPA filters, these air filters with an ionizing component that the idea is it, it uh, decontaminates bacteria or viruses or something. But the problem with that is it usually uses a UV light source, which can create ozone in your local you know, atmosphere. Mm. Ozone is not great to breathe in. Um, some of them use hydrogen peroxide, also not a great compound to breathe in your home. So there's that one caveat, um, I'd say indoors, uh, that that's the best intervention. Um, in terms of people who are outdoors, uh, N95 masks that are well fitted uh, can filter out the particles really well. But again, that doesn't uh, do it for the gas compounds. Mm. Uh, although I will say that the component of air pollution that's most strongly linked to adverse health impacts are the small particles. So it's really the, the component that we focus on in, in, in our lab. Mm. And what do you think are um, the most important ways to target air pollution to 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 try to reduce it for people in general. What are sort of yeah. the major components to yeah? Yeah, so I think in urban areas, vehicle emissions are the most uh, uh, you know important contributor, um, and so we have seen decline due to these uh, both policy and technological interventions. Although it gets tricky in different places because of various cultural or socioeconomic impacts, or maybe those regulations or those interventions don't work mm-hmm. in that region. Um, and so that's kind of from the urban air pollution perspective. It gets a little trickier with the, the climate issue um, when we talk about climate uh, induced or climate increases of wildfires. Um, that's something that's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a good answer for how we mitigate you know this uptick in wildfires that uh, you know are going to be impacting uh the world as we go forward and it's something that's an active area of research i think some of its land use management um to try to you know uh, reduce the area that can be burned uh, more resources to firefighting and fire mitigation i think are some of the tools that uh, are being looked at uh, going forward 
Hmm. Um, what are the common misconceptions that you find people have about air pollution? Yes, that's that's a really interesting question. I, I want to mention two. Um, so first, um, air pollution. Uh, there are pollutants that you know can be bad for the environment, but aren't necessarily toxic. So, for example, CO two. Uh, CO two at the concentrations we experience in the atmosphere are not toxic to to humans, but it does have an impact on the climate. Similarly, with chlorofluorocarbons, which are less of an issue these days, a very potent greenhouse gas. Uh, deplete the ozone layer, but are actually non-toxic. And that was actually one of the appeals of those human-made compounds early on was that they were non-toxic and used as refrigerants. Uh, and then found out that, well, actually, really, really strong greenhouse gases and deplete the ozone layer. Um, so there's kind of a, you know two different types of, of air pollutants, sort of the climate and the ozone uh, depleting pollutants, and then the pollutants that are toxic to us. And plants and animals, for that matter. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but so, do you think that is it just a matter of the, of informing people more about this that to sort of combat that misconception, or do we need to do something else? For example, yeah, I think information is is a big um, informing the public is a big part of it because um, that informs or can influence policymakers. And uh, policymakers really have a big role in how to deal with this. I mean, we can do all the research and the science in the world to say, this is what's bad, this is how we get around it. But if policymakers don't enact things that change that, then we're just kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, informing policymakers, but also informing the public so the public is informed and they can make decisions, you know, whether they're voting or they're calling their uh, representatives, uh, is a huge component of it. Hmm. Do you know of any emerging research findings or studies in the field of air pollution that that our listeners should really know about now that to, if they want to know more about air pollution after this uh, podcast episode? Sure. Um, so I, I think I mentioned that there are two misconceptions, and this the second misconception I should have mentioned <laughs> relates to this. Um, so I think most people, when they think of inhaling air pollution, they think lungs. This is uh, hmm. something that impacts the lungs. Um, but it's well known in the field that actually most of the adverse health impacts from air pollution are actually cardiovascular in nature. And, and that was something that was quite a surprise uh, to me when, when I started uh, making the transition to air pollution toxicology. So on that note, some of the emerging research, um, it's you know partially coming from our lab, um, is that really tiny particles. So we have particles we call PM 2.5 or fine particles, which are mm -hmm. particles 2.5 microns and smaller. Those are the ones that really are most strongly linked to health impacts. But um, a study from our lab uh, in 2008 showed that ultrafine particles, which are particles 0.1 microns and smaller, 100 nanometers, actually induce uh, or promote plaque buildup um, more so than these 2.5 micron particles. And so now that's something that we're looking at uh, more closely. Why do the smaller particles have more toxicity? Um, additionally to that, um, a lot of biomed people have started to get involved in this kind of research. And I think one of the interesting uh, things that have come out of that is that these particles can sort of uh, disrupt the balance of gut bacteria. Uh, and that can lead to cardiovascular impacts. So sort of, I, I feel like, gut bacteria and 
pro, uh, probiotics are like, you know, buzzwords uh, <laughs> these days. Uh, and it's something that we're actively looking at. Um, can changes in gut bacteria induced by air pollution exposure cause effects in the lungs or the heart? So I think that's very interesting. No, for sure. Yeah. So um, a bit of an uh, out-of-the-box question, but we have a lot of things to worry about, of course, with plastic in the oceans and mm. climate change and um, the, 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 the oceans warming up. Where, where on the scale do you think this lies or do you think it's all too interconnected to be able to say that? Yeah, I, I'd say it's because of the, the climate issue, it's all interconnected, mm. but I, I do think um, that air pollution exposure, air pollution toxicity is something we should really be concerned about um, because it impacts what I think is, you know, what many people would say is the most precious thing in this world, which is human life. Mm -hmm. So the most recent global burden of disease study estimated that 9 million deaths, uh, premature deaths were due to air pollution exposure uh, in 2019, uh, making it the fourth largest risk factor uh, globally. Um, and the top environmental health risk factor of, of all. So, so when you look at those numbers, you start putting things together, it's really tragic. So mm -hmm. I think being able to tackle that saves lives. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and to me, that's, that's very important. Yes. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny, and if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Um, and where do you think we have the most to gain when it comes to tackling air pollution? Do we need more dedicated research to better understand the problem or do policymakers need to act on the information that is already there? Yeah, I, I'd say the, the thing we have to gain most is, you know, like I mentioned before, saving lives. And, and at this point, I think there's enough research out there to show the impacts. And mm. uh, maybe we need more research on how we mitigate things. Uh, it becomes an incredibly complex issue when you take into account economic issues, local cultural uh, and political um, uh, things. So I think at this point, it really is on the policymakers to really step it up and find ways that uh, we can do these interventions um, and maintain stability of society and you know economics as well. 
Yeah. And would you say some of the policy needs to be focused towards sort of vehicles or more, more towards the wildfires, for example, or what would you try to target first or want to change first? Yeah, so I think it's it's regional, um, uh, certainly in areas where urban air pollution is still a big issue due to vehicles. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Beijing and, and yeah. Delhi. That's a that's a place to focus on there. Um, but in the Western United States, now the primary driver of air pollution uh, are the wildfires, and mm -hmm. so we really, I think it depends on where you're at, um, what kind of in interventions we we have to do. Uh, so. Just recently, there was this fire in Canada that mm. caused this massive transport of a plume to the eastern United States. And it's something that that part of the United States doesn't uh, experience uh, very much. So there's a, there can be a lack of preparedness there if, if they're not expecting it. Yeah. So if someone were to be with someone is interested in learning more about air pollution after this episode, and do you is there, are there any um, resources you would suggest they check out to to learn more about air pollution? Yeah, so um, I'd say the Global Burden of Disease Study, uh, they put out um, studies every few years. There's a really good one uh, to look at. It's usually publicly available um, uh, to kind of get a broad scope of the air pollution health effects and concentrations uh, throughout the world. Um, there are some really interesting um, websites that allow for people to do citizen science. Um, the one I'm thinking of right now is called Purple Air. Go to purpleair.com. Um, what this company does is they offer sort of low cost air pollution sensors you can install in your home. Um, and then that uh, data goes into this global map uh, of air pollution. And so even if you don't have one of those devices, you can pull up purple air and look at real time air pollution concentrations throughout the world, wherever the sensors are. And it's even cooler because then you can pick a particular sensor or a group of sensor and download the data um, you know, from whatever time period that, that's available. And so you can look at the trends of air pollution uh, at any time. So I think those are two really good resources if people are interested in, in this topic. Mm, that, oh, sounds, that sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, indeed. And I, I'm just thinking like, then you can really clearly see like the regional differences much better as well than, wow, fascinating. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, and then diurnal differences, right? Like during the mm. day and night. Oh, those yeah. kind of things that we. I imagine like, like vehicle uh, output goes down at night, then, and you notice that uh, a lot with this data set. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the chemistry changes too, because you don't have sunlight there. And so different chemical pathways dominate at night. Mm -hmm. So the chemistry doesn't stop, it's just it goes different routes, which I think is pretty cool as a, as a chemist. <laughs> cool. Yes. Do you also see such big changes inside of houses? Yeah, yeah. So indoor air pollution is another field that uh, has picked up in the past couple of decades. And I think, uh, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic was something that uh, highlighted that. And uh, to touch on that, one of the interesting things that have uh, come out from the indoor air pollution studies is, um, uh, you know, people use uh, chlorine-based or hydrogen peroxide-based cleaners. Um, and there have been studies out there that show that you know, if you're using these cleaners and it's not well ventilated, maybe you have a window open, the sunlight's coming in, you can actually form particles in your home, organic particles with chlorine in it, which very, very toxic. So there are these things that I think maybe we think about less that, uh, you know, have, can have real impacts. And so, you know, I, I think about all the times growing up, my mom was using copious amounts of bleach to clean the house and it's just like oh, let's open a window you know yeah. it's definitely something we did with corona as well <laughs> right yeah absolutely yeah 
Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for talking with us about this interesting topic. Uh, we really loved having you as a podcast guest. If people would like to find you or reach out to you, how can they best do that? Do that? Oh, sure. So um, uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, is where I mostly do my social interactions, uh, mostly music, but I'm also doing trying to do some science communication through that. Uh, the handle there is at Gonzo Music Lab. Gonzo <laughs> Music Laboratory. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, uh, as well as um, uh, my website, uh, which I try to update uh, as much as I can, which is at uh, docgonzalez.weebly.com. Uh, uh, you can find uh, more about my research there. Cool. Okay. Well, for our listeners, if you have any questions, suggestions, or comments, you can reach out to us via our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. You can also check out our website for some really cool science-inspired merch or to sign up for our awesome journal of the Struggling Scientist, a.k.a. our newsletter. And if you've enjoyed this episode, then leave us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform as it really helps us grow. You can also follow us on social media. Daylon, which ones are those again? Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and now YouTube. Yes, definitely check out YouTube. We have video podcasts now. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all again next time. Bye. Bye.